Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Thank you so much for the amazing support and feedback that I often receive from all our, our many listeners out there. And I thought that would give an opportunity for me to kind of remind everybody of some things that are going on in the community so we all stay listening to one another. Um, starting in January, there will be a grounding and awakening well-being, bringing the principles to life immersion, as we're calling it, January 14th, 15th, and 16th with the wrap-up session on Friday the 21st. For more information about that, please go out to the 3pgc.org website. Also, if you're interested in building a community, say um, South Africa or you know London or anywhere, that there is a need for this understanding, please go to the website and click on international communities and see what it looks like for us to partner and collaborate on this understanding in your area of the world. Also, on that same website, 3pgc.org, there's a donate page. And if you feel that you resonate with the work that we do in the communities and trying to bring the three principle understanding to help stop suffering, if you resonate with that, go onto the website, click the donate page, and any amount that you feel in your heart to leave, just drop it and help us to continue this amazing work. I hope you are enjoying your time off if you're taking it with your family, and welcome to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, today's going to be a special treat, uh, but we're reflecting on gratitude this week, and uh, what more of an opportunity for me to show the listeners some gratitude than the very person who pointed to this truth for me. I won't read his bio because if you know anything about me following me, you know him. <laughs> uh, and this is my first ever interview, ladies and gentlemen, with Michael Neal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What's going on, sir? How are you doing? I'm well. Nice to see you. Oh, man. So, so, so glad um, you were able to join me here. And again, being that I wanted to point to gratitude, I just really wanted to publicly thank you um for what you did for me um not only just in intensive but as you've continued to mentor me and and coach me and point me into this deeper understanding uh i really and this is not just saying it, i really really love not having to think about my life since i met you like, like what it would have been like if i did now almost it's just, like it was, it's just been so beautiful and um to all my listeners um out there everything you've ever felt in in all of these episodes or seen me speak about or or sharing of my heart um michael was so instrumental and key and, and pointing to it and stripping to it and 
we won't go through all my messy moments. We'll just go through your side of it. <laughs> Wait a minute. For <laughs> the whole time. But really, really, honestly, just starting with, you make everything look easy, man. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Like, <laughs> I, I, I've been told that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, I think the people who are closer to me, you know, kind of know that I, I rarely lose my sense of humor while I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what it is then. Yeah. Because I mean, you think about if I would take your, your life and just break it down. The, 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 your story is very known. It's in your TED Talk and things like that of having the suicide ideation. Hmm. Given that experience, you shouldn't be as happy. That's one way you made it look easy. Like, if I want to deal with suicide ideation, I want to do it like that when it come out. You know, it was like that. But then, Spot just, the guy who was suicidal for seven years. <laughs> not this one. <laughs> you know, but even in coaching, um, just the thing you're able to get your clients to see and, and then what they, the ripple effect of them going on, you make it look easy. Your relationship, your wife is beautiful. Your kids are successful. Your friends are like superstars. I don't even want to name drop them in a sense, but your friends oh, are I thought you were just talking about you, man. <laughs> I, I was mean, in friends, there. My friends, don't face. my friends are, yeah, no, there you go. What is it that for you makes this so easy? Look, I think it's probably worth clarifying easy. If by easy we mean done with ease, yes. Yeah, yeah because ease and tension are what we bring to the party. Mm. Right? So it's easy because I prefer to do things with ease than to do them with a lot of tension whenever I can. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what makes it look easy is I prefer ease. And I know that generally speaking, I perform better, everybody performs better from an easy place inside themselves than they do when they're really scratchy faced and trying. So that, that, that's part of it. And then it's as easy or difficult in the traditional sense of the words as it is. Like sometimes it's easy and takes a long time. <laughs> right? Sometimes okay, it's easy yeah. <laughs> and gets confusing and you have to restart partway through and go in a different direction. So it's not easy as in, oh, it just all falls into his lap, though a lot of stuff starts to fall into your lap when you're being guided by this intelligence behind life that we talk about all the time. Yeah. But, you know, even the stuff that you put in a lot of hours, like, like I, I really love, you know, the definition of work as effort over time. Like that's literally in physics, the amount of work uh, a process takes is effort over time. But instead of effort being effort, like, you know, yeah. again, scrunchy faced, intense muscles and all that, I, I prefer to just think of effort as hours. Like if you put in the time, if you yeah. put in the hours, you're really gonna probably learn a lot. You're gonna probably get to be very good over time. And, and especially if you love it, you're gonna notice and you're gonna wanna spend even more time. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I do a lot of work in the physics sense of the word work, but not in the struggly, tight, oh my God, I, you know, look, the odd, <laughs> the odd Friday night, or as you well know, the odd Sunday afternoon in front of the football, the beers may flow, but on the whole, it's a good one. I didn't know until I really got time to spend time with you behind the scenes watching you 
do, you know, what it is that you do, how much you work. I really had no clue. And I, I was someone who brought from the military what I consider to be a hard work ethic. And I know it's some nights I'll leave out of my office and go back like, I don't think Michael's sleep yet. Go back in there and read some. You know, <laughs> it's like, go back in there and read some. You work um, a lot of hours. But the way you just put it, it it's not even considered work because it's, it's what you love. Uh, and, and I think that's why I felt it's important to clarify easy. Yeah. For a lot of people, easy, they would assume no work. No work, yeah. By easy, I'm just saying with ease, without too much efforting. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen anything worthwhile accomplished without putting in the hours. Time and attention are fantastic tools for getting things done in the world. We were when we were watching the game last weekend. You you said something. You were just talking about the difference in practice versus playing, mm -hmm. right? And and I really love what you said around that. So could you just riff on that for me again? The difference in in practicing versus playing, and what you notice with it. Well, I think that you know, and I I've it's been obvious to me in training coaches over the last twenty years. It's been it's obvious when I work with athletes. Mm -hmm. that the different it, and actually even back when I was an actor or when I now work with actors and musicians practice is pretty much about conscious repetition like in French the word for rehearsal is la répétition say that again say la répétition the la répétition okay la répétition you know, so you are doing it again and again and again with attention so that you're learning as you go. You're hearing the warmer, colder. You're, you're taking in yeah. the adjustments that present themselves. But it is the intent is in the process. The intent is in the movement. The intent is in the experiment, not the result. Not the result. Now, when you are in the world, look, if you're playing golf, the goal is to get the ball in the hole in as few shots as possible. And nobody cares once the final scores are posted if you made it look ugly or if you made it look pretty. So it's not the same. There's an old story I used to tell at the beginning of coach trainings, and it's about uh, an acting teacher named Sanford Meisner. And a lot of people know Lee Strasberg. He was like the original method yeah. mm -hmm. teacher that like Marlon Brando and James Dean and those guys studied with. But Sanford Meisner was another teacher who was very popular of the same era. And, uh, and the first year of training with Sanford Meisner, and I've met a few Meisner students who, who vouched for this, you basically did one exercise, which was called the repetition exercise. So you would, like, like if you and I were doing the repetition, repetition exercises, I would say something to you and you would just repeat it back to me and we would just keep going and see where it went. So I like you. Say it back. Okay. I, I like you. I like you. I like you. I like you. And so on. And Got it, it starts yeah. to take on a different emotional tone. Scenes start to evolve just by repeating a phrase. And the point of that exercise is to show people that the words are not the point. The communication, so little of what is communicated is through the words. So much of it is through the feeling. Well, what inevitably would happen is on, uh, you know, after the first year, you get to do scene study where you get actual scripts for the first time. And everybody's like, oh, this is great. And, and you know, inevitably, like the first group to get up for, for, for the script 
um, you, you know, with their lines learned and everything will come in and, and one of them will look the other one meaningfully into the eyes and go, you know, if the first line is, uh, I like you. And the other person will look back and go, yeah. I like. And, and Meisner would let him go for a minute and then stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and they'd go, well, we're, at, we're, we're, we're doing what you taught us, Sandy. And he would say, that was practice. This is acting. Right. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it's like the things that make you good at something are, are, are different to how you do them. Mm. Like, like I've been told, I've never been a, a, a martial artist, but I, you know, I work with Billy and other martial artists. And one of the things that they all say is that there are relatively few moves. Mm -hmm. Even the most complex martial art can be broken down to three to seven moves yeah. combined in different ways. And so all you do in some ways is practice those same three moves again and again and again and again. And then when it's time to put them together, you don't even have to think about them. So you would never just do the same move in an actual competitive fight, but all the time you spent doing that, I mean, we look, most people have either seen the Karate Kid or seen things making fun of the Karate Kid. Yes. <laughs> right, where he's got him washing his car and doing all this. But actually that's how all skills, all crafts are developed. Yeah. We practice, but then when we do, the best we've got is show up, be ourselves and see what happens. Yeah, it's funny because you, we've seen, I've seen the flip side of that in the military, that if you don't let people know the difference in practice and playing, when, when I, before I went down and started doing protection and special operations, conventional forces fire with safety rules. So it's, all right, line. Go ahead and pick your weapons up safely. Handle your weapon. Insert magazine. You follow the steps all the way down. So if your gun jams on the on the range day, you raise your hand, and the line judge say, "I need I need a an instructor on seven. Instructor comes over, manipulates your weapon for you, gets it back ready for firing position, and you go back to firing. Well, that's for safety because we don't want anybody to get shot or anybody to do anything." But what do you think translate when you go down range? Excuse me, Mr. Enemy Combatant. Exactly. I'm having some difficulty with my rifle. Would you would, would it be a terrible bother? Yeah. Yeah. It was just you see it in exercises, you know, the training scars and things like that. And then when I got over into special operations and and we we started even practicing like we play or more more aligned into what you were going to experience. And you realize how many training scars you have from practice. You realize that you let your hand hang out past the corner. So now I've just identified my location. You, you, I mean, it's just so many different things that you didn't realize you do that you were practicing with when it came time to play and, and playing for us was the difference in life and death. So, um, and it could be here, even when we're talking about not identifying. Unfortunately, that. rarely in, in a community, <laughs> but, but I know what you mean. <laughs> so cool maybe so if you get too close to me when i'm hitting my drive in golf it might be my but other than that it's pretty okay it's i know that's definitely the case for me i am not nowhere near anywhere you know with the golfing thing but um i want to play a game with you all right and so i have uh five questions mm -hmm. and some of them are one-worders and that you can answer with and some of them may take a sentence Right. But again, it's all pointing toward gratitude. So kind of in that same vein. All right. I am thankful for blank. 
uh, Nina, the kids, the dogs, my friends, my work, life. I'll pause there. <laughs> okay. I'd really love it if. I'd really love it if I get to hang around long enough to watch the next generation take over and, and see, see what, they've, what they've picked up along the way and how they can kind of make things better than, uh, than we've done, as I think we've made things better than the group before us, as, as it probably should be. I'm now super comfortable with. I'm now super comfortable with having no idea how to answer questions. Like I'm now super comfortable. <laughs> My last low mood showed me this. My last low mood showed me that I still have whole layers of habitual thinking that I haven't even noticed yet and I think are real. I'll pull that shoestring, keep going. <laughs> We're out the game, but I like that. <laughs> so I, I, I actually was talking about this on a, on a course uh, this week on the Living a Guided Life course. But I woke up in the middle of the night a uh, couple of nights ago. And it was kind of out of nowhere because we hadn't been talking about this in any context I was aware of. But I just woke up and realized, oh my goodness, I have been thinking that I'm hard done by for most of my life. Like the most common feeling that I have in my life is I kind of got screwed here. Oh man, that's, that's not really fair. That's not really right. You know, oh, I've got taken advantage of again. You know, I used to love the musical chess and there's a, a line in that musical that always stuck with me where the Russian chess champion sings, I open doors, they walk right through them, call me their friends, I hardly knew them. And I had never seen before that I'm making that story up. That I'm not any more or less hard done by than anyone on the planet, but I've made it a thing in my thoughts. And I've lived in a world where I'm hard done by, but I got to keep carrying on anyways, because the good outweighs the bad, or I'm going to be taken advantage of, but it's probably better to trust people anyways, because it works out better in the end, most of the time, or so like I was successfully thriving in a world where I'm hard done by, but I made up the world. Now, I don't know what seeing that is going to do for my life. But I know from experience that anytime I see something like that, it starts to change because now when it comes up and the next time I feel hard done by, there will be a noticing and it won't be like, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do about it? It will be, Oh, there it is again. Huh. And so for me, you know, I won't say, oh, I love my low moods, but I would say that my low moods lead to insight so much more than they used to. Because I used to try to fix them. And now I just sit in them till they go. Okay. And while I'm sitting, so much becomes obvious that didn't used to be. I really appreciate getting to watch and feel not being afraid of the experience. I think that's the, the biggest way I, what my excitement is for it. It's like, 
again, not saying anything comes to me easy, whatever, but boy, am I just up for it. Even the bad days in a sense, because again, I'm not, I'm no longer trying to fix my low moods. I, they just are what they are. Yeah. You know, they just are what they are. And, and not being afraid to live kind of is cool. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is from the Sin Sin Meng, uh, where the, where the patriarch says, do not seek the truth. Simply cease to cherish opinions. And for me, that's what the undoing part of this work is. Is if we just stop cherishing our opinions about what and why and how, what we're left with is so much more true. Whereas when we try to seek the truth, we sometimes seek a little too hard and wind up bumping into our own thinking along the way starting with the pandemic coming out of it. Now kind of walk me through what business was like during that time and, and where we're going uh, as far as whether it's in the genius catalyst, super coaching, what's going on now? Yeah. Well, well, bizarrely. And for me, this is part of how living a guided life as best I can, which means simply Tuning in and letting life lead, letting this inner knowing, this inner wisdom, uh, this guiding intelligence that, you know, seems to have nature figured out. And I figure I'm part of nature, so maybe it's got me figured out too. Absolutely, yeah. Right. It, it looked on paper when the pandemic hit like we'd been preparing for it for five years because we had taken almost all of our business online already. We, we had been running live streams on all our live events. So we already were set up and had the equipment to do multi-camera shoots that were going out to people all over the world. Mm-hmm. We, our whole business was already structured to be available to people anywhere, anytime. When the pandemic hit, there was about 10 days where everything fell apart, but it fell apart because we totally freaked ourselves out. Like I remember conversations with, with Lynn, my COO, who I, I work with, you know, and we were like, well, we can't, we can't sell stuff now because you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And so we, you know, and we just got wound up into, a, in, into just a, a knot of insecurity and fear. And then fortunately, w- we've been in this understanding for a while. And at some point about, I don't know, 10 days in, we had the same insight walking the dogs in two different continents and the next time we talked we both like almost talked over each other to go why do we think that just because there's a pandemic we have to stop doing what we do like we both just realized my god we made that up well funnily enough we started selling again the next day we opened our doors back up for business and people were twice as hungry for it as they had been a week ago because now it was no longer, and I've, I've, one of my clients said this, I've just turned it into a line. It's going to be a cliche before I'm done. But it, it was like, he said, you know, what you do, what you do for our company, what you do for us has gone from being a luxury yacht to a lifeboat. So suddenly it became obvious that even though sometimes, you know, I can get insecure about Oh, you know, am I really helping people? Maybe I should be doing working with this community instead of this community. And I, I, it became really obvious to me during the pandemic that no, there are people all over the world that most of whom I will never meet 
or hear from, whose lives are getting better because of you know, sharing the principles that Sid articulated and because of sharing the insights I've had. And, and to a large extent, and this is where I would go with the gratitude thing, paying it forward, right? It's, yeah, I, I run a business. I was in this business before I ever come, came across this understanding. So it doesn't make sense to me that I'm not supposed to be in business. But by the same token, I have been given so much not just by people, though certainly by a lot of people, but by life, that, that getting to pay it forward just seems like the, 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 the only move that makes any sense, right? And, and um, I, I was having a conversation with Oliver, you know, mid, mid late 20s, and, you know, very conscious when, uh, when everything was going down last summer in terms of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and Me Too and you know, studying social consciousness. And, 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 and I remember us having a, a conversation one day, and it was probably the best conversation I think that we had around white privilege. And I just heard it so different to how everyone around me seemed to be hearing it. And I went, yeah, so let's make use of that privilege to make a difference. Like, I, I can't, doesn't make sense to me to feel guilty about it or beat myself up about it. But if I've been given more freedom of movement, why wouldn't I use that to make a difference? Like that seems to me to be wonderful. What a gift. As opposed to, oh, woe is me. I've, I had the right skin color, but now it's the wrong skin color. But it's like, dude, that's not the point. If you can and you want to, you will. It's that simple to me. I love that. It's the story. For some, um, I was talking to a gentleman who said for all his life, he, he had ADHD. And he said, um, before coming into this understanding of the principles, the story he was telling himself was that which everyone else was telling. Damaged, broken, you know. This. And he said when he realized he, his brain just fired differently, that's all at the bottom, you know, the basic level of it. He says some frontal low overstimulation. And he, he went through the, you know, the, the practical parts of it. He said, I then wondered why no one said, hey, we're going to teach you how to use your mind because this is the one you have, how it works versus just consistently telling him, we know your mind is different. We know your rhythm is different. And you, we're going to force you to do every bit of this. And he was just like, it was chaotic for a while. Yeah. And then once he just drop he there wasn't a damage or that was it he just received information differently he said just changed his life oh and i have met an extraordinary amount of breathtakingly successful in the world people who have adhd um, asperger's or other things on the autistic spectrum mm -hmm. and they've just for whatever reason not been degeniused yeah and, you know, it's probably not that nobody told them they were broken. It's that they didn't listen. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's something like if there was one thing and I, I'm saying this, I've never said this before, so I might change my mind by the time I'm done talking. But if there was <laughs> one thing that I think changed my life and that I would love everyone to know it is that they're not broken. No, really. Like I knew I was broken. I'd made my peace with being broken. 
I'd learned how to thrive in spite of being broken. I wrote books about how to thrive, even though you're broken, that were bestsellers around the world. And when I heard Sid Banks say, every human being is sitting in the middle of mental health, they just don't know it. I knew it. I heard it. And it messed me up because I, I only knew how to live as a broken person doing his best. I had to learn how to live as a fully functioning, beautiful example of life taking form. That took me a while. And I, I, you know, you actually have some stories that point to that, that I love. And one in particular is the, your coach in which you were working with, and you said, she was talking to you and she was telling and you realized you were just listening to her long enough to see if you were going to agree with it. Can you just share that? Because that's, that sounds like yeah, one of those times. Yeah. Not, none of my stories do I come off well. In. But, right. but, but, but no, it was when I was first learning the principles and it was Sandy Crot who um, is still out there, still, still sharing the principles, still teaching. And, and, you know, to this day, I think of as the most perfectly patient person who could have been put in front of me. <laughs> at that time and and we were we were walking on a beach she was down uh, here in LA and we were walking in Malibu and talking about the principles and I was very new to the understanding I'd had the experience of things shifting in my world of the world changing and and, and so I I already knew there was something here but I didn't understand it and she kept talking about mind, consciousness, and thought. And I kept asking her to clarify mind, clarify thought. And the one I really wanted her to clarify was consciousness. And like the umpteenth time I said to her, so what's consciousness again? She stopped and she looked at me and she said, why do you want to know? And I realized immediately, like literally what you just said, oh, I want to know what she thinks consciousness is so I can decide if I agree with her so I can decide whether or not I'm going to listen. Now on the plus side, I realized that was stupid, <laughs> right? Like instantly game over. Okay. I'm done with that. But yeah. I was playing that game till I did. But what I loved was what she did next. She said, stop thinking of mind consciousness and thought as words that have definitions and start thinking them as existing truths that we're using the word to point to. So she said, and these aren't gonna be quotes by any stretch of the imagination, but she said, do you know that experience of, of being really up one minute, and really down the next and being really present one minute, and really distracted the next and being really, uh, you know, scared one minute and then being really happy the next without anything going on in the world, like while you're sitting in your seat on an airplane or on a park bench. And I was like, oh yeah. And she said, well, that's thought. That's what we're using the word thought to describe the force that creates that fluctuation experience of life. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And she said, do you know that sense? Do you ever get that sense? A lot of people get it in nature of being so deeply connected that almost it's like almost like somebody turned up the brightness on the colors and 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 you can almost feel movement as if it's happening inside you instead of outside you. 
and 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 there's this incredible sense of peaceful connection with all life. And I, I do know that feeling. And she said, and do you know how sometimes you just know what to do, even if you couldn't answer if your life depended on it, how you know? And I went, yeah, I know that. And she said, well, mind is the word we're using to describe the force that allows those experiences to happen. I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense, right? And then she said, and she probably said this much more eloquently than I'm doing it. I just, this is what I'm <laughs> years later. But, 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 but then she said, well, do you know how there are times where everything looks overwhelming and, and, and huge and, and then there are other times where it's like everything's smaller and happening inside of you and you're kind of aware of it as it's happening almost like you're an observer while you're in it and i know that very well from performing and i know that very well from um you know just from from all sorts of you know i've been a performer in one way or another for years so all sorts of writing is like that performing is like that where it seems um uh, you know, I used to describe it sometimes as sometimes I feel like Michael talking to God and sometimes I feel like God talking to Michael. And, and she said, well, that capacity to be aware at different levels and to see more and more and more at different levels, that's the capacity that we're using the word consciousness to describe. I went, oh, Okay. Now, what was helpful about that for me was I stopped thinking about mind, consciousness, and thought as words. And I started thinking about them as tangible, invisible in form, but knowable by the effects and experienceable by anyone, forces at play in the universe. And so when I now say those words, they're not words anymore. They're descriptors, they're pointers, they're labels. And what the difference I see between people whose, whose lives are changed as they come to see more about this understanding and these principles than people who go, oh, well, that's really cool. That's a bit like this. And have you tried that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. it's not working. Or it, it is, is they are hearing them as magic words and wondering why the magic spell abracadabra didn't work. They're not magic words. They're descriptions of... The, the forces that make life magical. Well, I know the community is quite aware of who you are. Yeah, if it was something you wanted to say to them as they're experiencing this time of gratitude with their families, whether high stress, low stress, whether feeling connected, feeling disconnected, wherever they are, what is it that you would say to them? Well, probably not surprisingly to anyone who knows me, it's going to come out a bit rambly instead of concise. <laughs> One thing that I would say is let it be about you first. Sid would say that all the time. Get this for yourself. Then your kids will be impacted whether you share it or not. Get this for yourself. Then your spouse will be impacted whether you ever talk about it or not. Get this for yourself and then the world will change whether you ever share this with the world or not. 
And that took me a while to trust enough to try. Because that's all trust gets you to is try. Hmm. But once I really let this be not pretty stuff that helped people, but let myself be my first client and, and really started to live in well-being myself and started to see through my own thinking and started to experience shifts in my own consciousness, then I didn't often even have to change what I said. People just heard it better. Like I remember learning that, um, and this is slightly the same point, slightly the other point. And the other point is, you know, I teach something every year called the advanced course. And the advanced course, I always make it very, very simple. The basic course in the principles is about understanding what's really going on behind the scenes, just how beautifully human beings are made and just how perfectly we work and how much of the difficulty of life comes from misunderstanding those two things. And, and then the advanced course is, no, really. Right? Well, well, so this is one of those kind of let your let it let you be the person who is most impacted and first impacted. And then when you are sharing this, it it's real. Like the words we use aren't real, but what we are using the words to point to is. I always say it's our secret weapon to people if you're trying to teach this, share this, coach this, is what we are pointing to and talking about is actually there. So even if we're really bad at pointing to it, there's still a good chance people will wake up to it, right? But, but so that second, that second piece of advice or thing that I, I'd, I'd like to share with the community is so much of the impact you will have comes from how real this is for you. And I first saw it, I, I worked for a couple of years with um, uh, Dr. Keith Blevins and his wife, Velda Monroe, and they were developing their way of articulating the principles through the paradigm. And, and, and the line that I used to use in my teaching and that they used in their teaching was we're living in the feeling of our thinking, not the feeling of the world or not the feeling of our circumstances. And I had noticed that when I said that to people, clients, groups, they would go, oh, that's so cool. What else you got? And when they said it, people would go, oh. And they'd get really quiet and their lives would start to change. And I, one of the reasons I spent so much time studying with Keith and Valda is I wanted to understand, because if you videoed us, it looked very similar. But if you videoed the clients, it looked very different. And I got it so obviously about one month in, which is, oh, they really see it. I just think it's cool. But I saw enough to know that if I kept looking, I'd find out for myself if it was just really cool or if it really was true. And once I saw, oh no, really, that's when everything changed for me but that's also when everything changed for my students and clients. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.